All right, so we are in our series, Walking Through Samson's Life. Now, um, <clears throat> for those of you guys who weren't here last week, we, uh, I threw out some, some manly advice because Samson thought he was the man. Now, God made him the man, but he thought he was the man. So, uh, in, in the vein of that, let me uh, throw out a little manly advice. Well, for, especially for us guys, okay? When it comes to jeans, tight ain't right, all right? Manly advice number one. Uh, second thing, every man should carry a pocket knife. Now, I'm not going to test you on it today, but next week, bring your pocket knife, all right? There's, there's five reasons, at least five reasons, opening a box. How many times have you gotten a box and you're like, oh, I need something to open it up with, right? You got a pocket knife. Beer. What's that? Keys. 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 Keys just don't, they don't cut it, man. <laughs> cut it. Uh, cutting ropes, tags, string, right? Cutting an apple. Now, there's nothing manlier when you're holding an apple, just cutting that thing. Again, that's the teeth. Gripping it. You cut your apple with your keys? Teeth. Teeth. Uh, it's manlier when you pull that thing off and you're eating it right off the knife, right? Oh, oh. What's more manlier than germs, right? Um, I, I feel like a man when I cut my apple with a knife. I can feel the back hair growing. You know, it's just fantastic. Um, the weapon, you know, it's not an effective weapon, but at least you got something, right? You know, you don't go into a, a gunfight with a knife, but that's all you got. That's what you do, right? And then you never know when you're going to have to MacGyver your way out of something, right? So it's always good to have a knife. By the way, all MacGyver episodes are apparently on the what is, what, NBC website under the classic shows. They're still amazing. They're still absolutely incredible. So, uh, all right, so, so we did this last week. Let's try it again. Name some things that are manly. Just throw some stuff out. Manly things. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Nice. Yeah. What else? Older. Get off my line. Get off my line. <laughs> Get off my lawn. This is what from when he was an old guy in a, in a neighborhood or something. One of those recent movies. <laughs> um, what else? What's something manly? Classic cars. Cars. Classic cars. Nice. Trucks. Trucks. Yes. Building David's got a manly truck. Building stuff. Building stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which David, David's got a bunch of toolboxes on his truck and makes his even manlier, right? What else? Give me a couple more. Tools in general. Tools? Absolutely. Yeah. Back hair. Back hair. That's right. Everybody's like. Oh, I know. I'm not very manly. <laughs> You're not manly? <laughs> Dishes. Dishes. What? Dishes? Dishes. This is coming from a woman who thinks it's manly when a man does dishes, right? Nick? Nick? Hey, hey. I won't explain why, but we will take that. Um, so, all right, so we're not going to look at any of these, but I want to kind of get us in the mood, all right? We're going we're gonna to look at Samson today, and when we look in Scripture, God calls men to lead, right? He calls us to lead, and he calls us to lead our families in, in honor in love, in respect, in integrity, courage, character. He calls us to impart wisdom to the next generation. 
But when you look at our culture, our culture pushes boys, right? It pushes us to be boys, not men, not grown-up men. So we're going to look at what it means to be a man, warts and all, in this series. And I'm going to share a story um, a little bit later. And you may not come back next week because you will look at me and say, I cannot believe a pastor would ever do something like that. But warts and all, um, I am not a sinless person, as most all of you know. So um, hopefully all of you know. Last week we saw how Samson got his strength not from his hair, but from the Lord, right? Um, He has this supernatural strength and this divine calling by God to lead the Israelites away from uh, this, this oppression that the Philistines had them under. And so we saw that he, had an incre- he was an incredibly strong man, but he had an incredibly weak will. He was an incredibly strong man with an incredibly weak will. Now, uh, we looked at the three things that really did him in last week, and that was, one, lust, right? He, he wanted it. Right? Just, that was it. Entitlement, he, he just thought he deserved it. And then lastly was uh, a specific form of pride where he thought, I can handle it. Right? Especially dealing with alcohol. And all three of these things were things that he weren't, was not supposed to do as a, a Nazarite. Right? Um, not just lust, entitlement, and pride, but um, just the things that go along with being a Nazarite. So we saw that we need to be doing the exact opposite. We need to be saying, I want God, right? I don't, I don't want it, I want God. We need to understand that we deserve death because our sin draws us away from God. And so the, the wages of sin, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. We deserve death, but Jesus took that on the cross for us. And then the last thing is that I can't handle anything without God. Now this, I think, from, I know for me, and I think for most guys, is the hardest, right? I can handle it. I can, I can deal with that. I can do that. But we need to be telling ourselves and understanding and listening to the Holy Spirit, saying, I can't handle anything without God. So today we're going to look at a couple of Samson's emotions. And Samson, we're going to find, was emotion-driven and not spirit-led. Now, if, if you're feeling uncomfortable, guys, right, it's, it's okay, because men don't want to think of themselves, like, as emotional, right? Women are, women are emotional, right? That's, that's, what, that's what we think. I, mean, I know I'm getting myself in trouble. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, you're alone on that one, bro. But really, both are emotional, right? Both of us are emotional. Women just talk out their emotions, right? Women, they can talk it out, and it's, oh, was the college girlfriend, all that. Men act out their emotions, Sometimes they'll act through the emotions, but a lot of times we'll act out our our emotions. Galatians 5, 16 through 17, Paul's talking to this church in Galatia, and he says, Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. This is a very important verse for guys especially. Women, like I said, they can talk things out, and a lot of times 
eventually you kind of get to the heart of the matter. You see what God's doing in your heart. and You, you know, guys don't do that, right? Guys tend to act quickly for a number of mostly sinful reasons. We're just boom, ah, you know. And ultimately, if we don't pause, we will experience the gratification of our sinful nature. And so we need to be very careful about how we do this. Now, let me throw out a question here. For those of y'all that are new, um, we, we throw out questions. Don't feel like you've got to answer if you don't want to. Um, what are some emotions that you've seen get people in trouble? Like maybe, maybe it was you, maybe it was a coworker, maybe it's always a coworker, right? Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's uh, some family member. What are some emotions that, that you've seen people get people in trouble? Anger. Anger, yep. Jealousy. Jealousy. Oh, yeah. Big one. What else? Greed. Yeah. Yeah, nobody, nobody ever says, admits to that one, right? You know what? I'm a greedy person. You ever hear that? <laughs> It's, it's been, you never hear it. I'm just great. What else? Anything else you can think of? Emotions that get people in trouble. Lust. Lust. Yeah. What did you say, Manny? I was just going to say, if you don't believe this is true about boys and girls, you can come sit in my second grade class for a little while. Yeah. The boys are the ones that just like, they emotionally vomit every five minutes. <laughs> Story for them to get upset. Really? Boys, it's like one little thing, and yeah. Boom. We got several teachers here that, that all relate. I know uh, our kindergarten teacher, Sage's kindergarten teacher, kind of relates the same way. She's like, boys will just hammer it out, and then five minutes later, they're they're okay. But girls, it's like, what do they call it? Caddy? Isn't that what they call it? Caddy? They're caddy with each other. Yeah, but if, I guess in my case, it's like the girls' events only happen like one, once every two, three days, and it does take longer to deal with. Yeah. But the boys is like five times a day. The girls, it's a whole episode. Yeah, it is. It does take longer to deal with. Right. But the boys, it's like five times right. a day. It's like. Right. <laughs> Do you think it changes as we get older? No. <laughs> I think guys are more in control once they get older. Hopefully. Right, but it still spurts. Yeah. 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 All right, so, so we're going to jump in. That's great. That's good stuff. We're going to jump in right where we left off last week with Samson, and we've we got a lot of ground to cover scripturally. So um, let's go ahead and jump in. A uh, little recap. Samson, who's the current leader of, of Israel, decided that he wanted to marry a girl who was from the enemy, the Philistines, um, and he hadn't even talked to her. He just wanted to marry her because, he, because she was hot. I mean, that's, that was it. And then to justify it, like he went down, had a conversation with her, turned back to his dad and said, yes, she's the one for me, right? It was only because he thought she was smoking hot. So we're, set, we're, we're getting into the, uh, the wedding ceremony here, and we're in uh, ver- chapter 14 of Judges, verse 11. And it says, <clears throat> let me see, right here. Uh, it says, <laughs> when he appeared... When he appeared, he was given 30 companions. Now, he is in uh, the Philistine territory, okay? And they have basically just taken over Israel. There's a little bit of peace, but it's just basically tension. And God is going to use Samson to, um, to, to allow Israel to come back to him, to be their own nation again. 
But the Philistines here, they bring in 30 guys to be his friends for the wedding. Now, it should be a red flag when your 30 groomsmen come in and you don't know them and they're from the enemy, right? That, that should say, wait a minute, something's not right here. But Samson doesn't care. Verse 12, let me tell you a riddle, Samson said to them. If you can give me the answer within seven, the seven days of the feast, and this was basically a, a seven-day uh, rehearsal dinner, okay? Uh, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, they could not give the answer. So we got a battle of wits here, a riddle, right? Um, Seven days, 30 different sets of clothes, right? And the answer is what we looked at last week. Last week, a lion jumped out at Samson, and it's the, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he tore the, the lion like a young goat, which we assume is easy. So, we, you know, anybody else? Anybody tore a young goat lately? We, you know, yeah, Ashley, it's not that hard, right? See, Ashley can do it, right? Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so he goes back a few days later to go glory in his kill, Okay. And he notices that bees have taken up residence in the carcass. They're making honey. He reaches in, has some for himself. Totally disgusting, but totally what a guy would do. Reaches in, has some for himself, and also gives some to his parents. Not only was this a sin to touch a dead, uh, a dead animal uh, or anything dead as a Nazarite, but he gave it to his parents, which also caused them to sin unknowingly. So uh, what we see here is Samson... He's got these, this enemy right in front of him. They're his groomsmen, and he's, he just thinks he's the man. He's so stinking cocky right now. I'm better than you in this. This is his mindset, right? And so he's brewing with cockiness. And what we find, what you find in guys especially, cockiness is the seed of pride. Now, there's a difference between me joking around, you know, Y'all better bring your A game for the putt-putt. You know, I know, you know, ain't nobody good at putt-putt, right? David's witnessed my putt-putt skills. Uh, I lost four balls in one hole trying to get over water one, t- one time. But I know how to defeat that this time. So, so you, know, you know, I'm kidding with that. But there are some guys who are just, I mean, just cocky. And it's that seed of pride. Verse 15. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Great groomsmen, right? Did you invite us here to rob us? Then Samson's wife threw threw herself on him, sobbing. You hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. And he says, I haven't even explained it to my father or mother. So why would I explain it? Why should I explain it to you? She cried the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him. She, in turn, explained the riddle to her people. So the Philistines threaten the wife. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill your family. The wife uses the timeless strategy of wives and brides everywhere. Cry. No. But that would, yeah, seven days after seven days of crying, that's definitely nagging. You're right. 
this is what happens when you marry a girl just because she's hot, okay? You don't know her character, you don't know her personality, and you want to talk about a downer of a rehearsal dinner, right? I mean, you're there, you're celebrating your wedding, all she's doing is crying, all right? I mean, come on. Verse 18, before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town, this 30 guys, said to him, what's sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And then Samson says, and, and I think this is a pretty low blow. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Wow, right? I'm going to move on. Uh, this, that blows my mind. Verse 19, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. Once again, we see God coming upon him. I'll explain this in a minute. He went down to Ashkelon, this is a Philistine town, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of their belongings, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he went up to his father's house, and Samson, Samson's wife was given to the friend who had attended him at his wedding. Okay, so notice what it says here in verse uh, 19, middle of verse 19. Burning with anger, he went up to his father's house. Now, keep in mind something, okay? God does not approve of Samson's anger here. It's very clear in, in Scripture, the only just anger is righteous anger. Jesus goes into the temple, and he's throwing over the money tables. He's not beating people up. He's just doing what's right in the eyes of God, okay? This is unrighteous anger. And God doesn't approve of it, but he is still using it to liberate Israel. He's still using it to destroy the enemy. So let's take a look. Two emotions that we see here that take strong men down. First is Samson burned with anger. What, what is there really to be angry about for Samson? He went to the Philistine territory. He picked the girl. He decided to marry her. He taunted the Philistines with a riddle. He named the price. He's the only one who knew the secret. He gave the secret away, and then he left his bride to go kill people. Why is he angry? Ultimately, he's angry at himself because he's mad that he didn't get his way, that he doesn't have control, and he's taking it out on everyone else. If you are like me, you know this emotion well. Um, when I was growing up as a teenager, I had an unchecked anger. I mean, I just, I could just go crazy. And just, when I was little, my best friend accidentally ran into my dog, and I beat the snot out of him. And to this day, I cringe. And I was like seven and and he he was he was just he didn't even know what was going on it's like why because i was so messed up here not being able to control my anger and, and now as you grow older you start to get that in check but you still have it you're mad at your boss right but it's probably because you don't like your job right you're ticked off maybe at your wife right you think you blame it on oh her emotions are just well mad at God, right? But it's probably because 
I'm making unwise decisions, right? If this is you, if this is us, you've got to own it. You've got to own it. Because this is emotion-driven and not spirit-led. And here's the thing. Samson's anger did not end here. As we go on, he finds out that the Philistines have his wife, and he goes ballistic. But it's a, uh, it's a murder in the first degree ballistic. It's a, it's a planning ballistic. And what he does, he plans out this elaborate scheme. Um, and so his plan is to do some serious harm to the Philistines. So somehow, and I don't know how you do this, but he went out and caught 300 foxes. Okay, Apparently they're plentiful. There might not have been any left after it was done. 300 foxes, and he took two at a time and tied their tails together and then lit their tails on fire and sent them out into the wheat fields of the Philistines and burned their, their crop almost completely gone. So the Philistines find out that Samson does this, and in retribution, they go find his wife, and they fulfill their uh, promise after all, and they kill her and her whole family. Now, that's pretty rough. That's pretty harsh. Um, but there's a difference between, like I said, there's a difference between this type of anger and, and checked anger. When we went up to, uh, it was Easter, we went up to the North Shore to go uh, have Easter lunch with Leaf's parents. And we were done eating, just hanging out, sitting around, and the kids were flipping channels. And they came across a UFC fight. So I've got my nine-year-old and my seven-year-old, and these guys are just beating the snot out of each other. There's blood everywhere. There's, there's sweat. There's, I was explaining the strategy to them. I'm like, you know, this is when you take them down, you want to try to do this. And, you know, I, I don't really know all the martial arts style, but I was seeing, you know, they, get, they use all kinds of different stuff. They loved it. I mean, just loved it. And there's, one guy's just like bleeding profusely, but he wasn't tapping out. It was awesome. Um, and what we, the thing about UFC, because last night it was on again, it was on Fox, and they were, oh, this is awesome, you know? And they got to see a couple of guys tap out. The thing about UFC is when the fighting is over, there's no anger. They go, they shake each other's hands. The guy who loses is like, man, good job. Hey, you did it. You defeated me. You pinned me down. So it costs them their health. It costs them their brain because uh, Joe Rogan, the announcer, he's like, I think that guy's concussed. I think that guy's concussed. You know, they're all walking around like this. I mean, it, it can't be good for you. It costs them their, their brain. It costs them their health and their ears. If you've ever seen their ears, they're just, I mean, just gnarled up. They just, they don't look like, they look like pieces of meat that somebody just put on there. They're just nasty. But with Samson, we see how his anger costs him a whole lot more. It cost him those he loved. And he is just living out of this anger. And, and unless it's righteous anger, it's always going to come at a cost. And so for many men, anger is a default emotion. It's the thing you go to, right? Embarrassment turns to anger. Hurt turns to anger. Not getting your way turns to anger. And so we turn to Facebook or Twitter, and we're just like unleashing all our, our anger, right? Ah! We explode at our children. We get mad at our wives and have shouting matches. Right? Anger will cost you 
a lot. It'll cost you your reputation. It'll cost you your marriage. It'll cost you your relationships with those that you love the most. Your friendships. It goes on and on and on. It costs you and it isolates you. How many people want to be around an angry person, right? Nobody. Nobody likes that guy, right? When, uh, when we're out on the ball field, there are angry people out there. And we're like, oh, there he is. You know, there he is. There's a rock over here, you know? You don't want to get around him. You don't want to deal with him. Oh, there he is. And so you just wander off. When this happens, when you have that uncontrolled anger come out, there's only one thing that you can do. You can't justify it. You can't try to wish it away. There's only one thing you can do. That is to apologize and repent. Say you're sorry. Listen to the Holy Spirit and make changes in your life in this area. That's, that's all you can do. Now the second thing that we see here, uh, we're going to jump over to verse, uh, chapter 15, verses 14 through 17. Samson is filled with pride. Samson is filled with, with pride. Chapter 15, verse uh, 14. It says, as he approached Lehi. Now let me explain what's, what's going on here. Um, he's, he's destroyed all their food. Then the Israelites come and they say, listen, dude, they hate us now. They want to kill us. They brought an army. We're going to tie you up and we're going to give you to them. Okay? And he says, whatever, that's fine. And so, you know, they cautiously tie him up and they're bringing him to the Philistines. They approach with their army. It says, as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. Now, I don't know if that rhymes in uh, Hebrew, but uh, it rhymes here. Pretty, pretty cool little prose there. When he finished speaking... He threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramath-Lehi, which means Jawbone Hill, which is a pretty cool manly name, right? Jawbone Hill, right? All right, so notice something here. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. God's using him to destroy the Philistines again, even beyond all of his sin. But what does he say? With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. So even though it's the Holy Spirit who gives Samson the strength, he's the one that claims it. And now, again, we talked about this last week. You can look at this as a fable, and you can say, you can say, oh, come on, really? He picks up a jawbone and kills a thousand men? But let me ask you something. Do you believe that God can destroy a thousand men? I mean, if it's just God, God against human, do you believe that he could do that? Well, most of us probably do. Would you not believe then that God could use a human to do this? Right? We've all seen the Rambo movies, right? We've all seen it with our eyes, even though it's staged, right? So we can, we can start to believe. I totally believe this. I 100% believe that this happened. Now, is it hard? Yeah, sometimes. But I believe that God is more powerful than any man or any army. 
And so I, I totally believe God can do this. Now, the thing is, it wasn't Samson. It was God. But Samson takes the glory. And so we see Samson's cockiness and his anger and how it has combined, and now it's grown up into this full-blown selfish pride. And I think as guys, we can really relate to this because we want to be the main character in our story, don't we? We want the control. We want to be the one who, who facilitates what people think, right? That's just not the case. God is the main character. God is the one who is in control. It's all about him. And for these guys, or for, for many guys, rather, uh, these are our two biggest problems. Anger and pride. Now, let me, let me share my story with you. We're out at the Y. We work out uh, at the Y. We drop the kids off at school. The Y's across the street. And um, I had the kids. They were off, but nobody else was off that day for some reason. I don't know why. And um, there's, a, there's a room that they can go to. It's for babies, one- to five-year-olds. And this was just, I don't know, a, a year ago, eight months ago. And so I said, you know what, y'all can just sit in the lobby. And so I would go do a set, and then I'd come back and I'd check on them. You know, they're fine. They had their DSs, all this stuff. And just go back and forth, back and forth. We work out, I work out with all the old people. And, and it makes me feel good. You know, they can't lift the bar up. And they're like, spot me? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, buddy. All right, you know, that kind of thing. You know, I can get the bar. That's fine. So it's just old people. Nobody's going to take my kids, right? My kids know not to go with old people. Right, that kind of thing, and um, they don't—they <laughs> don't have good candy. That's right. <laughs> so, so they're sitting there in the lobby, and I'm checking on them, and then I'm working. I go back to work out, and the director, who is can't be more than 21 years old, she comes in with Ty. She's like, uh, "Sir, he needs to be in the other in the baby room," and um, you know, I'm like, "Okay, fine." So I go, and I put them in, and I just find myself getting angry. And I put them in there, and they're mad at me. They're like, we don't want to be in there. It's just a bunch of babies. And I'm like, what do you care? You're playing your DS anyway. And, but it just aggravates me even more. So I come back out, and I said, hey, were they, were they doing something wrong? Were they? And she's like, no, they, they were fine. They just need to be in there. And in my mind, I think, oh, legalism over common sense. Right. And I said, really? I said, well, why don't you open up the the youth room, because that's normally where they go. And, but there were no other kids that were out. She said, well, we didn't have anybody available for that. And I went, well, that's the problem, isn't it? And I walk off. And I was angry. I was mad. And there was no reason for it. She's just doing her job. I was telling Leave about it later, and she's like, that's what I'd want her to do. And it just made me even madder. And I don't know why, but I held on to this for months. And every time we would see each other, we didn't speak to each other. We'd just make eye contact and look away, right? Sometimes I would just kind of stare her down. And I'm like, and every time, I'm like, what's wrong with you, Jason? She's like 21. What's your problem? And it just, the Holy Spirit just working on my heart, working on me, working on me, working on me, saying, you're an idiot. You need to apologize. You're so stupid, Jason. You know, just 
this is probably in my mind. I don't think the Holy Spirit would tell me I'm stupid. But you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm talking to myself in the mirror, justifying it. You know, normally, Lee catches me talking to myself. I'm going over a message or something like this. She's been walking, and she'd walk in, and she's like, why are you, what are you angry about? I'm like, nothing, just leave me alone. I mean, it's eating me up inside because I lost my cool with this girl, right? That's the problem, isn't it? And I find myself after months, three months, four months, the Holy Spirit's finally just worn me down. I can't take it anymore. And I'm like, all right, fine. God, I surrender to you. I'm going to apologize to her. I know you're right. I will go apologize. And I find myself starting to rehearse my apology, which is at least a step forward, right? So the next time I go to the Y, I'm at the... uh, at the water fountain, and I see her in her office, and I take a step there, and I'm like, nope, and I walk away. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to apologize. I got the script down, and I said, nope. I'm not even angry anymore, except at myself, but I'm so full of pride, I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. Oh, I wish I could tell you the next day that I went in there and I did it, but it took at least another month. Because every time I stepped over to her, nope, (laughs) walk away. Nope, walk away. And then one day, I walk in, I knock on the door, I said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And her eyes got as big as dinner plates because I think she thought I was going to kill her. And so, because that last interaction, you know, was just like, oh! And so I walk in, I sit down, I said, listen, I need to apologize to you. Uh, for losing my cool. I said, I just, I got angry. There was no reason for it. And she, and she, she kind of played it off. She's like, wait, what are you talking about? And, but by her eyes, when I walked in, she knew exactly what I was talking about, right? And I, so I was like, all right, fine, God. You want me to explain the whole thing out? Because I do this with my kids. I'm like, tell them you're sorry. Tell them what you're sorry for, you know? And I'm just thinking in my mind, all right, God, okay, fine. And I said, listen, um, be, you, I don't know if you remember, I'm it was six months ago, four months ago, whatever it was, I said, I said, I just you wanted my kids in the, in the room, they were, they were in the hallway, I said, and I just totally lost it on you, and I said, I'm sorry, and she's like, oh, okay, that's okay, um, and she said, she said, uh, all, all we want to do is, is, and I just cut her off, I said, listen, you were totally right, I was totally wrong, I know exactly what you were doing, you were doing your job, you were protecting the why, I said, I know exactly. And she's, she's like, okay, well, thanks. And so I said, I hope you, I hope you forgive me. And I, I, I walked out. She said, yeah, I walked out. And ever since then, we make eye contact, we smile. Everything's right with the world, right? She may not have cared, but I can tell you that there was a weight that was lifted off of my shoulders when I said, listen, I need your apology. I need your forgiveness. I apologize. I no longer had to deal with, the, with the, the guilt and the shame, right? I no longer had to. It was all emotion-driven, and it was not spirit-led. And that's the thing with anger, that cockiness turns into pride, turns into this stuff that eats you alive. And emotionally and mentally, I was just drained. I was tired of dealing with it. And when I admitted I was wrong, I no longer felt 
the weight. I no longer felt the Holy Spirit talking to me, except for just, you know, the normal way. Otherwise, the only time I heard the Holy Spirit was just like, ah, or when I was reading the Scripture, you know? Now think about this. How many people really apologize anymore? Does it, I mean, it's so rare nowadays. And I'm not boosting myself up, because I would not even want to be in this position, but apologies don't make you weak. They make you strong. They make you a man or woman of great reputation in the eyes of those that you apologize to because you had the guts to do it. And I can't tell you how many people, not, not necessarily here in our church, but I can't tell you how many people leave churches because it's easier to leave than it is to stay and apologize and work things out. So what I do love about our church is, is we really push that. We say, listen, we're family. You're brothers and sisters, and just like any normal, regular blood brother and sister, you're going to get into fights. So let's work them out, right? But when you see people not apologize, you see people leave a relationship, that's just cowardice, right? Man up, admit you were wrong, repent, and grow in your reputation in Christ. Let me close with this. Notice what it says in uh, verses 18 through 20. It says, because he was very thirsty. Remember, he just got done killing a thousand men. So he's going he's gonna to want some Gatorade. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. You've given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up, opened up the hollow places in Lehi and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called En-Hakor, and it is still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Now, notice what's happening here. He's claimed this great victory for himself, and God uses the tiniest little thing, his thirst, to drive him back to him. He says, yeah, you want to claim that? You're thirsty, aren't you? Where are you going to get water, buddy? Who provides that for you? And so after all of this, and I think I can totally relate to Samson, because Samson realizes, I'm not as cool as I think I am. I'm not as cool as I think I am. Right? We need Jesus. And if we will allow our needs to drive us to God, God will meet our deepest needs. You can go one or two ways with it. You can go anger, you can go pride, or you can allow those things that are welling up inside of you to drive you to God. And so as Christ's followers, we have to be spirit-led, not emotion-driven. It's hard, but it's something that, that is our reputation. There's nothing that destroys our reputation more than anger and pride. But there's nothing that builds up our reputation with others than the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and us following Him. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank You for, for this word, for this message, if not just for me. Um, I thank You for how you, illustrated, how you illustrated anger with Samson. Thank you for his life, as, as tragic as it was, and how it can be an example to me 
to us. Uh, Father, we ask that you will give us guidance and direction as we walk through this week. Maybe there's somebody that we need to apologize to in our family or at work. May we man up. May we um, step up to the plate and apologize and grow our reputation again with them. Father, we ask that you guide us with our anger, guide us with our pride as men. May we understand that in order to lead, we have to be led by you. And so, Father, we ask that you give us the eyes to see where you are leading in our lives and how you're leading, and the ears to hear from you, and the heart to want to follow you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.